land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Children can run free. So take my hand and walk this land with me. And walk. Good evening. Welcome to Yadiyah Radio. I'm happy to be uh, broadcasting to you from the uh, lovely Virgin Islands. As I understand, uh, much of the continental U.S. has gone from bomb cyclones to uh, atmospheric rivers to tornadoes. Oh, my. And it's been mm-hmm. pretty devastating. Yeah, where you are, Kirk, uh, you've uh, mm-hmm. you've got another four or five storms uh, headed your way. And and it looks like all the rivers are have risen uh, my old home turf, uh, Montecito, got another mud bath from uh, from all of this. And Heard about that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you showed me a picture of Carmel Beach. The beautiful white sand is now nothing but mud. Really, uh, uh, Mother Nature doesn't seem to much like California. <laughs> Apparently not. But what I really was impressed to read uh, yesterday in the newspaper uh, is that um, with – what is like four feet of rain so far, another four or five feet of rain coming. The uh, drought is uh, is is still not over. So yeah, that part is that part is always encouraging when it when, when all the rivers have, have crested over maximum. You you know you're dealing with smart people who haven't figured out to dig a hole in the ground to hold water. And yeah. to use it later, and then dig a ditch to bring it from one place to another. You know, you're really dealing with a, a group of people that have been well educated. They can't do that. No, you could dredge the current water holes, and then you would do you'd double the capacity. Oh, I, no, what no. I always told my people in Montecito when they were charging me my monthly water bill got to be seven thousand dollars a month in Montecito. And uh, so I started uh, trucking in water and built my, an independent water system. And then they, they uh, fined us for, uh, for that, even though it was an artesian well where the water just ran out into the sea. They wanted the control over the whole thing. Didn't want anybody to work around their, wow. their precious uh, system. Uh, it does warrant a, a quick review because... We've been talking mm-hmm. about the weather on uh, this program and then on Shattering Myths for a better part of 20 years now. 
And what I originally said when uh, it wasn't uh, climate change that they were touting, but global warming. And they went away from global warming because the earth at the time wasn't warming. We went through about a seven or eight year period where there was no discernible temperature change at all. And during that time, what I talked about is that, you know, we ought not be talking about global warming and threatening people with global warming at a time when the earth really isn't warming. Uh, but that it will warm. And I did an investigation and learned that the Earth has gone through uh, many uh, hot and cold periods, some massive. Uh, you know, it, uh, they've recently found uh, uh, Mastrodon in, uh, in uh, Greenland yeah. and Iceland. And for Mastrodon mm-hmm. is a tropical uh, uh, kind of uh, beastie. It's, it's going to, you know, if they live today, they would be in, and uh, the be in Africa, uh, they're not able to uh, to survive cold. It's not. You know, we're not talking about um, woolly mammoths here. These are mastodon. And, and the the uh, analysis of their diet was that they were eating tropical tropical, tropical plants, food. which means that that mm-hmm. the temperature in Iceland and Greenland had to be uh, in the range of 30 or 40 degrees warmer than it is now, maybe 50 degrees warmer. So we're not talking about one degree or a degree and a half, but 40 or 50 degrees warmer. Uh, so mm-hmm. the Earth has gone through uh, these warming cooling periods without any uh, contribution from humankind. We were not around at the, uh, at the time. Uh, and what I learned is that, uh, it's a, that there are also cycles, which are the, the more moderating cycles than these, the big ones. Uh, uh, like you know the last ice age or that warming period for the uh, what we're talking about, but there have been cycles where the temperature changes uh, around two degrees uh, up and about two degrees down from what would be the the norm, and this happens over six hundred year periods, and we can not only trace it back through recorded history because we now have about five thousand years of recorded history and we can trace it back over that period of time and actually see that the warming periods are exceedingly favorable for humankind and that the cold periods are when we get uh, pandemics and plagues and mass deaths and upheaval and civilizations because people are starving uh, and malnourished uh, and the, the like. But beyond the 5,000 years of recorded history where we can see the effect uh, and would want it to be wouldn't want the temperature to be dropping because that's really when mankind has the roughest go of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we can go back um, some, uh, well, many hundreds of millions of years, uh, perhaps close to a billion years. And in the uh, shallow water sediments of oceans, we can see that every 600 years on average, we go through a warming and cooling period because there's different kind of uh, plants and also sea life that flourishes when the temperatures of the water go up and when the temperatures go down. Uh, and that this has you know, gone on for hundreds of millions of years. So to blame humankind on this when there is a record of it occurring over, over hundreds of millions of years is, uh, is the problem that we have in, in terms of our culture where we uh, it's how the conspiracies uh, also exist, where you take something out of context and you fail to consider 
uh, all of the relevant information. Uh, so my view has always been the temperatures will rise. They, they should have begun to rise uh, right around 1850, which is when that last uh, cold period ended and we began the upswing to a warming period was 1850. That's why when the first photographs appeared of the glaciers, they have retreated since then uh, because we've, we have begun to come out of that last cold period into a warming period. Now, there, there are negatives and positives both ways. The positives of the warming period is, is more of the earth where the temperate regions where most people live are far more habitable during the warming periods. Uh, food production is easier worldwide during the warming periods. Uh, uh, disease is actually less because people are better nourished during the, the warming periods. Uh, so it's almost all positive. The, the negative of the, the warming periods is that um, some of the storms that are like uh, tornadoes, which uh, require uh, the swelling up of thunderstorms uh, and supercells, they tend to be more prolific as the temperature rises. Hurricanes tend to be more prolific as the temperature rises. Um, and so there are issues, and, and I would expect there also to be more extremes, like the extreme rains that you're getting right now in, uh, in California. All of that is to be mm -hmm. expected, and I would expect that over the next decade, uh, it will get worse, uh, not better. It's going to be a, a fairly minor part of where we are unless uh, we um, somehow end up with, uh, with um, some kind of a solar disruption or uh, of something of that nature, uh, whereby there are going to be a lot of, of other things that are far more egregious uh, to us. Uh, so that's enough on uh, on weather, but be prepared. That's news. Thank you. Yeah, be uh, be uh, be prepared for uh, for what is to come. It's going to get worse, uh, not better, uh, in terms of the uh, of of floods and droughts and and winds and and uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and oh my, uh, I'm not so sure oh that it's going to. But overall, as I say, warming trends tend to uh, to increase food production, although. We have a counter to all of that, and that is that America's uh, stupid intervention in, uh, in the Ukraine and sanctions on Russia have had a very deteriorate, uh, detrimental effect on food production. Uh, and yeah. the supply chain disruption that was a result of, yeah. of COVID uh, uh, had a huge uh, yeah. uh, negative effect on the food production. And there's probably now 50 countries out of the... 200 plus in the world today that are on the precipice of, uh, of anarchy and uh, destruction. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are, are barely managing, like uh, in Chile, for example, which is now the first and second floors in, in most buildings in Santiago are boarded up because of the rioters. But because the, con the country has to function somewhat, they've uh, gotten the rioters to agree to only riot now. I think it's on Fridays. So you get to write one day a week, you spend the rest of the, <laughs> the week, maybe four days working and then maybe a couple of days with your family. So they've, got, <laughs> they've really got the right out of control. I, I love to make fun right now of uh, Chile because they, uh, they uh, had uh, this youngster that is uh, now head of the country that's got all of the, uh, the qualifications of my, uh, my pets here. 
and that uh, yeah. is an anti-Semite to boot. So uh, uh, may they uh, may they continue to be plagued. Uh, <laughs> You're here. <laughs> it, is, it is a it is a wild world out there, and it's going to it is definitely going to uh, to get progressively worse. Uh, one of the things that I have learned is uh, just give you an, an Ezekiel update. Um, I'm now through, yes. just finished uh, earlier today, the 28th chapter of Ezekiel. It is the wildest ride one could possibly imagine. The first chapter of Ezekiel has actually been fun. Uh, uh, no rapes, uh, no uh, no prostitution, no, uh, uh, in fact, there isn't, uh, up to this point, there's been 25 ways to kill a Jew is the kind of the running theme of Ezekiel. He really is an anti-Semitic uh, psychopath. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, by the time that he gets to the 28th chapter, oh, he is uh, um, all over himself. And he depicts himself as, uh, as, a, uh, as a cherub, uh, one that was on the, the, the walls of Eden, one of the, the four people allowed into Eden. And so he he presents himself as uh, part of the, the whole setup of Eden and how um, one little indiscretion got him uh, on the wrong side of God. And, and uh, what a shame for a, a creature that was created perfect and is the most beautiful and most brilliant. I mean, he is really waxes poetic about himself. Uh, and it's yeah. interesting, too, because you can go back to the beginning of the third century and Tertullian, uh, who is the uh, the numbskull that gave us the uh, the Trinity um, and is the father of uh, Christian theology? Tertullian even recognized. Listen, the 28th chapter of Ezekiel is the is about uh, Satan and the death of Satan. What he didn't figure out, of course, is everything else in it is also about Satan. And the 28th chapter was actually written by Satan to depict Satan's rise and fall. So it really is an interesting uh, experience. The chapter has gone through a a one edit pass or two edit passes uh the uh, whole edit team will have to have it and, and hopefully it'll be added to um the um uh the book right now that uh, is on the shelf if you go to the com site to go to the far right just before the uh the four volumes of questioning paul uh you'll see the um uh, two volumes of uh of babel uh, volume one is complete of course, and Volume 2 is uh, in the process. I'm now starting the 13th chapter. And I think they have through chapters uh, 6 or 7 already uh, posted. Uh, so that is worth a read. I, I had one of my good friends say, you know, the things you're saying about Ezekiel uh, sound uh, amazing. It would be nice to have it be supported with your translations, and, and uh, it is dutifully uh, supported with uh, translations um, in those first uh, 12 chapters, uh, um, about half of which are already posted. But it is, I I will tell you, when you do something as bold, uh, something I don't think has ever been done, not in 2,500 years, to not only accuse Ezekiel of being a false prophet, which others have done because of his uh, derelict prophecies regarding Tyre, he got them all wrong, uh, yeah. And uh, and one person, uh, maybe I think there's two people that have written and say that the uh, the scene in the in uh, that I cover in the fifth chapter, I think it's uh, Ezekiel 16, is genuinely a rape scene, uh, and that it's graphic sexually. So there's two people that had written briefly on it, 
Um, they didn't know the full scope of it, but at least they tried to bring it to the forefront that this is graphic and grossly inappropriate. Right. Um, and as I said, Tertullian was the first and probably the only one who has tried to identify the uh, um, this with uh, Satan, the uh, 28th chapter. Although if you look up uh, Satan, like just Google him on Wikipedia, uh, it will it will bring up all three places where he's uh, where he is detailed, and it's got to bother Christians no end to see that Ezekiel 28 is one of those three places. And of course, along with uh, Genesis 3, where he uh, is in the garden, and uh, also uh, Isaiah 14, which is the most uh, comprehensive presentation of it. Um, so it is a it is most gratifying to uh, to read Satan admit that he indeed is the author of this and is the Lord of uh, Babel. There is zero question, and and that's you important right. when you do something this bold. Huh? Because I said there's no one who has written from beginning to end that just says this book is not just about a false prophet. This is the voice of the adversary. This is Satan's playbook, his autobiography. It is what he intends. Uh, fortunately, he is not going to get his wishes, but you will certainly understand him when uh, you've read this book. All right, let's return to uh, where we uh, left off. Uh, we were speaking uh, about uh, one of the most powerful passages found anywhere among the uh, the prophets. Uh, it is uh, Hosea 4.6. I'll read it through again, and then we'll, uh, we'll pick up with the, uh, the commentary on this remarkable uh, statement. It begins with my people. This is Am Ani. Am uh, can be translated people, family, or, uh, or a nation. Uh, it's, it's not a hard and fast rule. The overwhelming percentage of the time that it is used, Am refers to Yisrael and Yahudah. If Yahweh is speaking of non-Yisraelites, he will typically use uh, Goy. Goy and Goyim can also be non-Yisraelite people. Um, it is uh, often rendered Gentile, uh, although that's kind of an, an odd term because Gentile was uh, the term, it's a Latin term, and it means non-Roman. Um, and uh, uh, also uh, nation is a... Uh, is a translation of uh, Goyim. So when you see Am, Yahweh was almost always speaking of his people, of uh, Israel, his family. My people are destroyed, and they will perish, Dama. They are ruined, and ultimately they will cease to exist. Now, when he says that, he is not talking about 100%. He didn't say that all coal of his people will cease to exist, because it's not true. Uh, the overwhelming preponderance of, uh, of Israelites and Jews, their souls have ceased to exist. Uh, that's not a penalty. Um, it's just an acknowledgement of what's true, and it's being um, affirmed here. My people are destroyed, and they will cease to exist. Uh, any soul, any person who during their life uh, has not accepted the terms and conditions of the covenant, of which there are five, um, uh, and who has not acted upon and accepted the invitations to attend Yahweh's seven Moed Mikrite <clears throat> at some point in their life, hasn't come to know Yahweh by name, 
come to accept him uh, as, uh, as God, uh, come to like him, respect him, and, uh, as I say, engage in the, uh, the covenant uh, and walk to him uh, by way of the Moed Mikre, the seven invitations to meet, then their soul, uh, the soul of people who have not done those things, ceases to exist at the end of their mortal existence. They aren't sent to hell. Uh, there's no punishment. There is no reward. And that's the vast majority of souls. Those who accept the terms and conditions of the covenant come to know Yahweh by name, attend his Moed Mikre, uh, end up part of his family, and they get to live with him in his home forever. That is a very small percentage of people. It is less uh, than one in a million by Yahweh's own uh, uh, instructions to us. Um, in particular, the second instruction that he etched on the first of the two tablets said that uh, that there will be thousands who um, closely examine and uh, carefully consider the terms and conditions of his uh, covenant uh, terms and conditions, and that those will be the ones who receive his mercy. Um, and thousands amongst billions is one in a million. So the percentage that participate in the covenant and live forever are few. There will be a third group. Uh, they are much, much larger than the covenant family, but, but hugely smaller uh, in number. Uh, than those whose souls are simply dissipated. And those are the souls of the people who, because of their religion or politics or conspiracy, uh, go about misleading people. And if you lead people away from God by misleading them through a conspiracy, through a religious uh, ideology, through a political uh, ideology... Uh, even through uh, overt patriotism, anything that leads people mm -hmm. away from a God, uh, there is a consequence of that, and that is to spend uh, an eternity incarcerated in Sheol, which is akin to a black hole. It's, uh, there's no tortures, but it is an eternal existence without any escape associated with, uh, uh, well, the most religious and political, militaristic and conspiratorial. Uh, people who have existed, so it would not be very pleasant. So that's uh, those three options. Uh, God here is not condemning anyone. He's just saying that they will be destroyed, which means their soul will cease to exist upon their, their mortal demise. Because of, from, a lack of understanding as a result of corrupted information, bele ha dayat, uh, and that really is the, uh, the thing that separates those who know Yahweh from those who don't, uh, those who believe from those who trust. Uh, and that is uh, accurate information and processing that information in such a way that you understand it, making the connections between uh, uh, things that can be trusted. And the only place you're going to find valid information about God is the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. But you can't just read it. You have to analyze it, think about it, uh, and you may have to make certain that your translation of it is accurate. And you know, even if you're reading it in Hebrew, you have to be careful because a modern Hebrew rendering of the ancient Hebrew is likely to take a bent that is based on the Masoretic text. 
which is to use mm-hmm. their diacritical marks to change the meaning of words. Uh, and they will also render a word like anah, for example, uh, which means to uh, reply, to answer, uh, to respond. Uh, and it's correctly rendered that way in about 95% of its uses. Uh, but they will render ana as uh, to afflict, to abase, to humble. And so they will have one on the Day of Reconciliations rather than responding to Yahweh's uh, invitation, ana. They will have such individuals uh, afflicting themselves, which is not a way that you mm-hmm. reconcile a relationship with anyone. Uh, so it is... Uh, even if you're reading it in Hebrew, it's important to know that you better go back to the original text and uh, and translate the the words uh, uh, based upon the uh, the original lettering. This is because you have avoided and rejected the process which leads to understanding. Now, so this is one of the things that is so peculiar for most people is that they think that religious faith is what leads one to uh, to God. They think that religious rituals, religious laws, religious behavior, religious compliance, um, being patriotic, being uh, um, you know doing good deeds, uh, and really believing is what would cause one to be saved. But not true. Uh, God said that souls perish because they have avoided and rejected the process which leads to understanding. And there is a process which leads to understanding. It has nothing to Mm -hmm. do with faith. In fact, faith is a tremendous liability because the faith, with faith you have no uh, interest in knowledge. Uh, Understanding and, and knowledge eliminate faith. There is no faith when you know. And often the information which you come to know, particularly as it pertains to God, is contrary to every religion. So knowledge and understanding destroy the credibility of religion. But beyond that, once you know and understand, you have eliminated faith. Uh, and so it's very important to understand this this concept that God is not encouraging people to be religious. In fact, his problem is that people are religious, and the religious is the religious people are are destroying their own souls or causing their souls to dissipate. Yeah. So what God is encouraging here is for you to come to acquire rather than reject and avoid quality information. Uh, and the process that leads to understanding. He wants you to focus on what matters, and he's going to tell us in a moment what matters. It's the one thing that matters, studying his Torah. And a word on that. When he speaks of this in a moment, Torah does not mean law, and Torah is not limited to the five books that uh, uh, Moshe uh, conveyed to us. Torah means source, from which guidance, teaching, uh, instruction, uh, and directions flow. It is based upon, according to God, the Hebrew verb yara, 
which conveys exactly that thought. So the Torah is a source of God's teaching, his instructions, and his guidance, as well as his directions. And so when you study his teaching and you use your, your nasalma, which is your conscience, to be discerning regarding it, you can make the connections between the things he has shared to understand the message. And once you make that transition from observing the Torah, which permeates, by the way, his prophets and his psalms, because it's his teaching and his guidance, which permeates all of them, and you make the connections between everything he has shared, you will come to understand, and when you come to understand, you not only know Yahweh, but you're in a perfect place to engage in a relationship with him. Therefore, he says, I will consistently reject you and avoid you from serving as my priests and ministers on my behalf, which means that those who are claiming as Jews or any religious person to be serving God as priests and ministers are lying. Very clear. Therefore, I will Mm -hmm. consistently reject. It's not I will reject for the next 15 minutes. It's not I will reject until Jesus comes. Nope. I will consistently reject, ongoing, call imperfect, you and avoid you from serving as my priests and ministers. This means there can be no rabbis that are intermediaries between Jews and God. That means that there are no priests that serve in that role. The Catholic Church is lying, as are the Orthodox Church. And the anyone who would claim to be a minister serving God is lying. Yes. And mm-hmm. since no you have consistently ignored, ongoing here, also written in the imperfect, and forgotten, failing to remember or respond to the Torah teaching and guidance of your God, then... I will forget your children. The Torah is Yahweh's source of teaching and guidance. It is the only place where you can come to know what God is offering and expects from us in return. It is the only place you will be introduced to him by name and come to know him well enough to decide whether or not you like and respect him, even love him. And If you look at religions, Judaism has replaced the Torah with their Talmud. They even call their Talmud the Torah. Christianity has essentially annulled the Torah, replacing it with their New Testament. And while Islam claims that the Quran confirms the Torah, it's just the opposite. It contradicts it in every possible way. And so the three most famous religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, have excluded themselves based upon the state, as have all but maybe one in a million people. So since you have consistently ignored and forgotten, failing to remember and respond to the Torah teaching and guidance of your God, 
I also will ignore and forget your children. Um, it means that that it's long since over for those who uh, ignore the uh, the Torah. But what God is saying here is that I can't continually try to convey my message to and awaken generation after generation. Uh, I've I've just run out of hope. I've given you my guidance. I've given you my instruction. I've done everything I can to liberate you and uh, and uh, help you uh, appreciate this relationship. If you're not going to do it, then it's just going to have to be time out. I'm going to to withdraw from your children and your children's children. It is a harsh medicine. But this time out is from around 700 BCE uh, and even past today. Yahweh is doing his best to awaken his, uh, his family, uh, Israelites, Yehudim. Uh, but the time of the prophets is long, long past. So this statement from God is the one-two punch which destroys Judaism. Yahweh mm-hmm. has said that Yisrael has ceased to be rational regarding his Torah. They much prefer his, their Talmud and don't even know that their Talmud conflicts in every possible way with his Torah teaching. There is nothing about Hasidic Judaism that is a match for the Torah. And even their Shabbat They've made so onerous that it's the hardest day of the week on all the things that you can't do. And they don't spend any time on that day observing their relationship with Yahweh or celebrating it. They won't even say his name. There isn't a single Jew that would know the five terms and conditions of the covenant or the five benefits of the covenant or that understand the intent of seven Moed Mikre which is the path to God, or that even celebrate the seven Moed Mikre, apart from those who have come to know Yahweh and what he's offering through this program in these books. God's prophetic pronouncement is both consistent with our observable reality regarding rabbis and diametrically in opposition to Judaism. Yes, it's an opposition to Christianity and Islam, too. But God began this by saying, my people. And, and so he's addressing Jews. As I've mentioned, Torah does not mean law as the religious profess. It is comprised of teaching and guidance, things that we can learn from, but we cannot obey. The Torah is Yahweh's. The Talmud is rabbinical. The fate of our souls and those of our children hinge upon which we rely or whether we choose to believe. Both are not acceptable. That's not an option. Yisrael is destroyed and Yisraelites perish, ceasing to exist. 
because they do not understand the difference between Yahweh's teachings and man's laws. There's only one way to participate in the Bereth Covenant and one path to Shamaim, Shamaim Heaven. We accept it and teach it to our children or we will be forgotten by God. It's as surely as their parents ignored Yahweh. The fate of every soul is determined by this formula. We come to know and understand by studying the Torah teaching of our God. Yahweh accepts or rejects us solely on this basis. And there is something to ponder here since God's people are mm-hmm. destroyed for lack of understanding his Torah. Is you know, How can faith be an alternative? After all, faith is a substitute for knowledge. So God is ruling out all religious approaches. The larger human institutions grow. It is a fact, the worse they become. It has been the truth for the last 6,000 years of recorded history. Whether it's empires, civilizations, nations, institutions, it's gang mentality played out on a scale of, uh, of, as I say, nations and civilizations and institutions. It's the same uh, with the participants uh, and the, the principalities, as you will, as it is with religion. They not only feed upon people's willingness to acquiesce uh, and be controlled, but the leaders of such institutions are also emboldened by the increased access to sex power and money. And so it is, as it is with the cleric, so it is with the king, and those they are conned. It, it is what Yahweh has said. Uh, many have been um, lured into a false belief that civilization is a positive term and that man has grown and and prospered over time, but it's just not true. The history of civilization is hellish. Um, every civilization until about a hundred years ago um, imposed a caste system. <laughs> and in that caste system, there was no upward mobility. Um, many caste systems, like the Roman caste system, had about uh, 15 different levels. Slave was the lowest level. The highest was uh, what they call them Caesars or emperors or kings, but that was the highest level. Only the emperor king had free will, and even theirs, they had to placate the, uh, the religious and the military leaders to be able to rule and live. Uh, but that, that is the story of human civilization. It, also, until the last hundred years, women had no rights. Uh, you know, we uh, we talk glowingly of ancient Greece, and yet in ancient Greece, women have fewer rights than we afford our pets. It's true. Uh, this is just the reality of it, and uh, um, they were vicious. Um, yeah. They uh, most civilizations lived on slavery. That's why they were so warlike. They needed slaves for uh, for everything. 
Um, in ancient Athens, for example, about eight, 80%, not 8%, 80% of the population were slaves. Uh, the same thing would be mm-hmm. true with a, a Roman town. Uh, these are really despicable conditions. And, uh, and if you study the history of civilization, what you find is the history of war. And that really hasn't changed. Even the superpower of the day, the United States of America claiming to be peaceful, uh, we have engaged in uh, well over 100 wars in the 400 years that uh, since we invaded, uh, or Europeans invaded uh, this continent, displaced the native peoples. Over four, you know, over a hundred different distinct wars in 400 years. This last one will probably be our undoing, as we uh, have engaged in a proxy war uh, with Russia and the Ukraine. I think it will end in uh, a nuclear uh, exchange. But that is the nature of large civilizations. There is the largest civilization on Earth today is actually the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, with uh, a billion five uh, people, and uh, it it's reprehensible. Uh, it's probably the single greatest detriment to humankind is the Roman Catholic Church and what they have uh, perpetrated. They, no organization has been more anti-Semitic for a longer period of time or done more harm to Jews than the Roman Catholic Church. And it is a direct outgrowth of Imperial Rome. In fact, there's really no distinction as is Imperial Rome morphed uh, into Roman Catholicism. So be aware that God's not impressed with nations. He does not like um, patriotism or patriots. Uh, he does not like militaries. He does not view them as protecting uh, the people's freedoms or liberties. He is opposed to these things, and that's why the first condition of the covenant is to walk away from religion and politics. So as we press on through Hosha, the next statement uh, reads, So as they grew in number, and as the rabbis became more influential, Rabab him, so they became, so much the more, they missed the way uh, to approach me. I exchanged their reputation and reward for shame. Osha 4.7. So as they grew in number, and as the rabbis became more influential, so much the more they missed the way to approach me. Um, That's the truth of the matter. Um, With the previous statement excommunicating uh, the Kohen, the Mm -hmm. priests, uh, it is by recognizing that Rabab serves as the basis for rabbi. And this becomes a biting indictment. The rabbis, Rabab, the number of rabbis, has increased dramatically. I think there is a yeah. chief rabbi for every possible thing that you can imagine. And as they have grown so much the more they have missed the way. They have misled people on the way to God. Uh, You listen to them today as they engage in politics and have uh, have allowed themselves to be bribed to support 
the Netanyahu coalition in Israel, and you just cringe with how these religious nutcases have presented themselves as if they define what it means to be a Jew. You know, Jews not about ethnicity anymore, according to the rabbis. It's about whether or not you are ultra-Orthodox. And the more religious you are, the more God disdains a person. They are the greatest threat to the Jewish people and have been for a better part of 2,000 years. The greatest threat to Jews is Judaism and the rabbis who promote it. Now, to be fair, such is the case with every religion. People go along to get along. They assume that their religion is right because so many people believe it. That's the whole sales pitch of the Herodim. They see everybody dressing in the stupid black garb. They see everybody with the same stupid curly cues. They see everybody, you know, with the same black hat. They see all the women who have complied and shaved their heads and dress up in uh, in tents and forego all freedom, allow themselves to be treated as numbskulls, as too stupid to read the Torah, too stupid to make a decision, uh, too polluted to be around men, and they allow themselves to endure this. And they do it because every other woman around them has submitted, and because not to submit is to be ostracized. And, of course, then the rabbis uh, give them kosher phones so that they can't call rape hotlines. They, uh, they can't search for the truth. They have no information other than the venom that the rabbis are feeding them. And so it's insular. And they, uh, as I say, they go along to, uh, to get along. For most of human history, deceptions have held sway. You know, when... Uh, yeah. And I wrote Prophet of Doom, and I was constantly told, uh-huh. uh, we, uh, we have to be right. We're the fastest-growing religion. There's a billion five uh, of us, uh, and there's one of you. Therefore, you're wrong, and we're right. Well, I could have taken that approach uh, in, uh, during the time of Imperial Rome, and the, uh, the religion of Imperial Rome was the only acceptable religion. And so it was by a factor of, of a billion to one if you spoke out against it. Uh, Before then, we could have gone to Greece or Carthage or or, uh, to Babylon or to Assyria. The history of mankind is that the overwhelming percentage of people have been wrong almost all of the time. So if you believe something that is popular, you are absolutely wrong with God. Uh, In fact, this is one of God's single most repeated themes, which is that he is set apart, everything important to him is set apart, and that if you're not set apart, then you are common. You're profane. And to be common or profane is to adhere to something that is popular. So if you are among the most popular uh, religions in Israel, you are considered profane by God and not set apart to him. Same thing would be true with Christianity, which is the world's most popular religion, or the second most popular religion, Islam. By the very nature of their popularity, 
they become wrong because they're the antithesis of being set apart unto God. Now, Hosha 2.7 also presents an ironic twist. As people grow in stature, they recede from God. The more people move in one direction, the more likely is that they're all headed in the wrong direction. The more people strive to be influential, the more insignificant they become. Humankind has substituted wealth for an eternal reward, and it has exchanged the illusion of power for its genuine manifestation. And this is particularly true among the Herodim in Israel. Our appreciation for Yahweh and his prophetic testimony grows when we set what he has revealed beside a long uh, analysis of, uh, of human history and human malfeasance. A recounting of the exploits of civilizations leaves the observant and moral with the realization of just how awful men and women have been, particularly since we have written these 26 volumes thus far, all available for free at yadayah.com, yada meaning to know, yah is the familial form of Yahweh, at yadayah.com, uh, and have done more than 10,000 radio programs for Israelites. Uh, we speak for you, we speak to you. Uh, of all people, Israelites should know just how horrendous civilizations have been. Look at what happened with the Assyrians, brutalizing Israel. And brutalizing the northern kingdom for no other reason than they were there. Uh, the Assyrians wanted to dominate trade routes, and so anyone that uh, didn't capitulate and pay them tribute, and the tribute had to be so egregious that the people starved, um, were bludgeoned to death. And the Assyrians hauled away 10 of the 12 tribes. And right around 700 and, and change uh, BCE. Yeah. And they were brutal. I mean, they put nose rings through the Jews and chained them together and made them walk nude from, uh, from where they were taken and, and uh, crucified and brutalized um, hundreds of thousands, all the way millions. And it wasn't very much after that that when the Babylonians defeated the Assyrians, that they demanded their tribute. And when it didn't happen the way they wanted, they attacked Israel, uh, what, 597 uh, BCE. And then uh, when Israel said, well, maybe we should uh, go with Egypt, since there was a hiccup between Egypt and Babylon, we'll pay our tribute there, which is basically a bribe to survive. Uh, the Babylonians said, well, <clears throat> there's a consequence for that, boys. And they came back, and after a three-year siege, they destroyed Jerusalem. They hauled virtually every Jew into slavery, at least those they didn't kill. 
they uh, thrashed, plundered, and burned Jerusalem, tore down the uh, the temple, hauled everything away. Now, they were brutal. And it wasn't just them. You know, it wasn't very long after them uh, that the Greeks came. And the Greeks have this reputation for for being democratic and, and therefore peaceable. No, they were hmm. thugs. No. And there are very few people as mean-spirited as was Alexander the Great and the generals that uh, divided up his kingdom upon his death. They were savages. And so the Greeks came in and they tormented Jews. And the Greeks were pussycats compared to the Romans. Imperial Rome, in fact, even during the Republic, was uh, Pompey uh, invaded Israel and bludgeoned Jews, and and that was around 66 BCE. And then uh, um, we have uh, Vespasian and his son uh, Titus that uh, bludgeoned uh, Israel, destroyed the uh, the temple in uh, 70 CE, and then Hadrian lured them back and was the most brutal of all. Uh, when um, he um, began the diaspora, um, uh, crucifying countless uh, Jews. I mean, how could you imagine civilization mean anything other than cruel? And then out of Imperial Rome grew the Roman Catholic Church, and for better part of 1,500 years thereafter, Jews were condemned as subhuman, as demonic and forced to live in, uh, in ghettos. They had no rights. And anything the Roman Catholic Church could do to, uh, to terrorize them and subjugate them, they did. It's the history of, of the Roman Church and Jews is horrific. And they were part and party to uh, the rise of Nazi Germany, and, and it happened all over again. And between those two, we had the birth of Islam the most satanic of religions that make uh, killing Jews the highest reward that a Muslim can achieve. So if any nation understands it, and then you have the empires today that are progressive and socialistic and communistic, and the progressives have become enemies of Israel. So if any nation, any people ought to understand that politics doesn't work that nations are almost universally anti-semitic and that the result of partnering with them doing business with them is deadly for Jews so our appreciation for Yahweh's prophetic testimony just grows the uh, the, the more open we are to studying the history of uh, humanity. And as I've shared with you, the, the, it is true that individually, we humans can be good or bad. Uh, some are resolutely awful. Some are, uh, are extraordinarily um, charitable. But collectively, um, we're horrendous, and there aren't very many, if any, examples of large nations, empires, or institutions 
where people have behaved well. You know, we humans have engaged in human sacrifice to appease the gods. Heck, we're doing it now with progressives and the mutilation mm-hmm. of uh, children under uh, uh, the um, transgender. Um, we're literally mm-hmm. mutilating our children. Um, we have a history of enslaving our neighbors so that we can prosper by their toil. We impose our politics and economics schemes and claim to be righteous and democratic. We rape the planet, we rob it of its resources, and we're murderous while pretending to be moral and peaceful. Lies are preferred to truth, control to freedom, religion to responsibility, and to relationship with God. You know, one of the real examples, and there has finally been some uprising in the U.S. Congress. I don't know where it's going to go. But um, uh, there's the realization that we have squandered uh, well over a hundred billion, maybe a hundred and fifty billion, could even be two hundred billion, on uh, on killing Russians in the Ukraine, and that much of that money has no accountability, and even the part that has accountability, none of it should have been spent. We've spent more money killing Russians and uh, in the Ukraine coming ever closer to nuclear war than we spend on the infrastructure of the United States. We are sending them so many weapons that, uh, that our military is saying that we're no longer defensible as a nation. And so there's a group of Republicans that are finally saying, please, we need an audit. We need to stop this. This is insane. Who knows how long that will last because of politics and you know, immediately there, everybody's having a field day with Biden had classified documents in his garage. It was okay because there was a neat old car in that same garage, a Corvette Stingray. Of uh, So uh, who would care for the classified documents if, if you've got a neat car there? But that kind of looked embarrassing since he went out of his way to condemn Trump for the same crime. Uh, but, you know, we'll get lost in our, our knickers and, and forget, take the eye off the ball of the Ukraine and And the Ukraine I bring up because it is the place where truth died. That was the first casualty of that war, is that very, very few people. I've been talking about why we shouldn't have done this in the Ukraine and what the consequence is going to be and how it's ultimately going to lead to a nuclear confrontation. I've been talking about this since 2006. So this is not a new topic, and it's only recently that, that a very, very small number of people have joined uh, in and recognized that what we're doing is insane. Hmm. One of the um, the things that we all ought to think about is that as we establish enormous militaries and we equip the killers with weapons of mass destruction, that this is not conducive to life. Uh, when we are indoctrinated to praise soldiers and uh, and those wielding the instruments of death. And we believe that the least free and most destructive institutions on earth, which are militaries, are responsible for our liberty and our prosperity. We're being stupid. We're being played for fools. 
we tax the productive and we reward the unproductive and think that we're being progressive and compassionate. We divide people into groups based upon the color of their skin, and then we blame others for being racist. And should someone raise their head above the crowd to demonstrate the degrading duplicity of it all, we slander and crucify the lone voice of reason. We will even accept a God and reject the God based not on the testimony of God, but of men. When engaged in pursuing our political or religious ambitions, people are almost universally rotten. This is uh, Hosea 4.8, and we'll go into 4.9. Mm-hmm. They feed upon the wrongdoing and sin offerings of my people. These souls lift up and accept. They promote and honor their perversity, their wrongdoing, and their depravity. And so likewise, it will be the same for the people as it will be for the priest. I will hold both of them accountable for their ways. I will repay them, bringing back upon them the foolish, beguiling, and the cruel things they have done. Well, that means that uh, that old uh, adage of, uh, of uh, don't blame me, that other person misled me. I mean, what was the excuse by every Nazi <laughs> after not, the war? It wasn't my fault. No, I was just following orders. Taking he orders, yeah. To do it. Yeah, God, God's not going to buy that. God's not going to buy. Uh, it's not my fault that I dressed it up like I was going to a funeral and uh, and treated my daughter as if she had no value and indoctrinated my son in this foolish religion uh, because the rabbi made me do it. Oh, he's really clear here. It's the religious behavior, the sin offerings of my people that are repulsive. And they lift up and honor, they celebrate the perversity. They celebrate the depravity. And because they're out celebrating it, whether it's, you know, God's talking about his people, so this is talking about Judaism. But it rings true for Christianity and Islam. Um, They're absolutely celebrating the lies. And so God finally says, "Uh, enough already. If you all want to celebrate these lies and, and tell each other how wonderful you are, then you can have each other. But understand that ultimately there's going to be accountability. Now, and particularly with Israel, Israel has no excuse. God liberated Israel. He formed his covenant with Israel. He delivered his Torah to Israel. Uh, he walked with them, gave them the land of Israel, uh, performed his acts of restoration within Israel, built his home in Israel. He's done everything for his people, Israel. And so the Israelites are without excuse. You ought to know better. And so he's going to repay the foolish, beguiling, and cruel things that the Israelites have done to one another. 
And recompense is not going to be fun because you're without excuse. Yahweh, through Hosha, has told you to stop being religious, to start listening to him, to start thinking as opposed to believing. And if you don't want to listen to him, then understand there will be recompense. Now, I think this is true both literally and symbolically. If not for people's individual and collective sense of guilt and implied hellish consequences, religions would not exist. Rabbis and priests prey on people's fear of the unknown and their fear of punishment. As a result, they devour the funds of the unsuspecting by promising their victims that their donations will somehow exonerate them and elicit favor with God. It's really a cruel joke. But who, who do you blame? Do you blame the, the rabbi or the priest or the imam who is, who is collecting on this and making money out of it and lying to the people or the people who allow themselves to be deceived? The rabbis. Yeah. Yeah, and, and God says yeah, both. And, and so let's just step uh, into the shoes of the Heredi for a moment. If the rabbi who was, who was uh, making merchandise of you, and you allow him, and yet True. they're not taking the Torah and prophets from you, why they're encouraging you not to read it and to... Uh, spend all of your time with your nose and the Talmud, but you've got it. You can read it. You can read Hosha. Very true. Open the fourth chapter. See what it says. Deal with it. Show some backbone. Save yourself. Save your family. What's your excuse? Yeah. Even Christians... They carry it around. They could read it. You know, one of the things uh, that was just so stunning to me is how obvious mm-hmm. it is that Ezekiel not only is a false prophet, because uh, it's not like he occasionally gets a statement wrong, and one wrong, you know, in the whole book, and, and he's a false prophet. He didn't get anything right. It's all wrong. And you just can't be 100% wrong by accident. You know, if you toss a uh, coin in the air, yes or no, heads or tails, a hundred times, it is not going to land on tails a hundred times. And yet, there's a thousand statements in Ezekiel, and every single one is wrong. It's not possible unless it's by intent. And so, how in the world... Can there be religious Jews, Christians, and Muslims that read this book and claim it comes from their God? When it's all wrong, uh, it's just stunning to me how far people will go to try to justify the most absurd things. And that's what God's saying. You're just foolish. It's cruel what you've done. I don't want any part of you, but I'm telling you that I will hold you accountable. 
I have a hunch, too, uh, and it's based mm-hmm. upon a number of things that I've translated, that for Jews, uh, there is a fellow that, uh, that he was taken to, uh, to Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh really likes this guy. Um, only person really taken in this way. I know there's the story about Enoch, but we don't know enough about Enoch to have any clue. But, uh, but we know a lot about Elia. Super sarcastic. Uh, no respect for religion or politics. Hates it. And in fact, is, is eminently qualified to tear it to ribbons. Elia is <laughs> going to judge Jews. He's going to be the guy. And if you want to know the outcome, consider what he did to the 850 prophets of Lord and Asherah. That's what's going to happen. He's going to be the judge, and it's going to be fatal. Yeah. Some will say, well, God's going to be my judge. No, he's not. No, he's not. Uh, Why don't you tell me something? That God did alone. Even creation, He uses we. Yep. Because He was there with the uh, uh, the Ruach Kodesh, and uh, I think at that time He had probably also uh, created the Malach. Uh, mm-hmm. God doesn't do anything alone. He created the universe for man, and the moment man existed, He began a relationship uh, with us. You know, mm-hmm. He went to liberate the children of Israel, with a man, an 80-year-old. He saved the people around uh, where the Garden of Eden was and where civilizations sprouted from there, uh, red and tooth and claw, uh, by working with uh, an old guy to build a boat. (laughs) When Israel wanted a king and they chose poorly, God says, listen, I think this is a bad idea. You're rejecting me. But if you're going to have one, would you at least be a shepherd? Let me explain to you what the right choice is and gave them that example and not only led Israel at the only time it was really glorious through a man, Dode, David, but through all eternity, he's bringing Dode, the Messiah and Son of God, back to uh, to be responsible for leading us through eternity. God never works alone. So that's something to, uh, to think about through this, uh, this entire process because he's going to judge Jews through the man that he feels is the most qualified to do it. And that man's going to be Elia. And um, he uh, does not take religion lightly. He despises it. And uh, to be tried in front of Elia is to be mocked. He won't. He's not going to listen to any excuse. Yeah, it's uh, he is. It's going to be shameful. He happens to be one of my very favorites. I like his uh, sense of humor because I think it reflects intellect. Uh, and and I, I think mocking God likes to mock religion. Um, yeah, you know, my uh, 
my favorite of the prophets uh, is is kind of a toss up between uh, the three guys. I I don't know which one of the three I like the most, but for different reasons, I think Moshe is the most marvelous human being that ever lived in terms of his his courage and his steadfastness, his devotion to uh, to duty, his intellect, uh, his the soaring nature of of his speeches and the Barim, hurting uh, Jews across the desert for forty years. Uh, that is that is no easy task. That, alone? <laughs> that guy, that guy really had Big his life together. He is such an impressive guy. Um, and even before he knew Yahweh, he stood up for his people uh, uh, and risked his own life to uh, do so, only to be um, embarrassed uh, and shamed by his people for having done so. Uh, so Moshe is really high on my list. Uh, it's it's uh, very hard for me to uh, overlook Dode. Uh, he's the most uh, exceptional man in human history, um, probably the most brilliant, uh, certainly the most articulate, uh, the best uh, shepherd, uh, the most passionate about God. The, the one man God said, he is my son, I am his father. The one man that Yahweh anointed three times as Messiah and the one person God is bringing back to uh, lead us uh, f- through forevermore. And to that, there's two others that I, I really, really uh, love uh, and for different reasons. But uh, I love the, the humor and, and intellect uh, and the, the character of Elia, uh, Elijah, who we've talked about. And, and then uh, I feel a special kinship for uh, Yasha Isaiah. Um, there's so much of Yasha Isaiah that, that speaks of what we're doing together. And uh, you know, his prophetic insights are, are so rich and so sweeping that it's it's um, it's wonderful to be part of the same team and the same family as uh, these sure. individuals. So, on that note, can I ask a question. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I hate to interrupt, but I I, uh, I I really, as I was reading the specials, I couldn't and took a lot of notes and started thinking about stuff. I couldn't really understand, I still don't really understand what it is about people that they need to put somebody between them and God. They must feel that that they pick out that this is a holy person and he can go to God and he can somehow be my, in the, you know, yeah. in-between guy. And obviously, and then I applied it to the rabbis, and modern-day rabbis, and of course I made a list like I used to when we were doing the Paul shows, you know. They don't they don't, rabbis don't teach anyone Yahweh's name. You know, we talked about it forever. Okay, uh, they don't know what it means. Uh-huh. They don't, they don't, when, further, they don't know what it means, and they don't know how to pronounce it. And if, even if they do, they won't repeat it, and they bury it, and then they change it to Lord Satan's title. I mean, that if you knew that alone, you would say, what the hell right. am I listening to these people for? And then, then they don't teach the five terms and conditions of the covenant, which are the paramount to me, when I found that, then I was man. I said, okay, I know, I know what he wants. I can yeah, do I that. Every wants. one of them, I can yeah. do it. I, I, yeah. I got to turn. I, I can deal yeah. with this. Nothing, nothing hard on that list. I don't need to approach you. I didn't right. have to approach you anymore. <laughs> but I mean, not, you right. know what I mean. I didn't. Yeah, once need, you know the five terms it, and conditions, you are you are on your own, man, uh, and you absolutely. can deal directly with Yahweh. He said, okay, this is what you want. I, I'm there, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, rabbis ignore it. They're empowering. Uh, they don't, They're liberating. They don't teach. In addition, when you go to those five terms and you realize that there's the more mikra, 
is the what is the pathway home is to teach and implement that allows us to know what these are for and what Yahweh has done and to appreciate Him better, such as such said. They don't they don't uh, uh, officiate these feasts like they were told to do no. if they were loy. Oh no, uh, they, if they, uh, were, they if completely they were, ignore uh, matzah. They, they make they uh, you know uh, Passover the end all and be all, and yet matzah is vastly more important uh, than Passover. Passover is part of Matzah, of not the other the way week around. Of, yeah. They have no Absolutely. concept of what Bokurim means as the uh, the third of the uh, seven Moed Mikre. Uh, very few even mention Shavuah anymore because, well, the Christian church uh, stole it with their Pentecost. Uh, but that's an exceedingly important day. Uh, they hate Teruah to the point that uh, they've replaced it with the Babylonian New Year in Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've corrupted uh, Kippurim to the point that it's the opposite of what God intended. Rather than a day of reconciliations, it's a day to abuse oneself. And that's clueless is the fact that Sukkah means I'm inviting you back to Eden. Yeah, there's not a rabbi or religious Jew on earth that has any concept of these things. And when you know them, you're totally independent. Independent yeah. with Yahweh is a good thing. You're not beholden to anybody. Yeah. Two two things further. That led me to think about the law, which is obeying rules, and and it really eliminates free will. And so Yahweh wouldn't do that. Why bother? If you're going to do that, then you you why you can't have a relationship. Who who would, the whole thing falls apart based on changing things to a, a, a from teaching, Yahweh instruction. All that sort of thing. If you're going to have a law that's going to be obeyed by regulations and be penalized because of it, you couldn't function that way. It's no relationship that way, and they never express those things. Once again, and then that led me to an old thing. I was looking in my drawer, or across my desk rather, and I've got this little post-it note, and I can't read it from here without to my with my bifocal, so I have to get up real close. And then I was now saying it's Mismore one nineteen three three, and if you will allow me. It's uh, Yawa, Yawa, teach me, Derek the way, choke the prescriptions for living, ah, and obviously, and teach me the way, and Netzar, I will habitually observe them, equip, and I will benefit until the end of time. That's the antidote to all this stuff, to these people. You don't need these people. For goodness sakes, you can you can translate this stuff online and get ninety nine percent of it if you with a little fault behind it if you understood the concepts. Mm-hmm. I mean, on every and then and this is the only place that and uh, this is so sad. This is the only place you'll hear it. Yeah. Yes. The only place you'll read it in depth. I mean, you can, a lot of people will will say yeah. things like uh, all of us talk to people, but I mean, in depth, where you can actually explore it, see what it says, compare it to what you saw and written in a, in a linear and a lexicons, and I, I I do it every week, whether I ever get whether we speak about it or not, it makes no difference. It's fun for me. Yeah, there's not a single program on this material anywhere, and we have uh, tens of thousands of them. There isn't a single book yeah, yeah. on this material anywhere that's ever been written, and yet we have 26 of them all posted at Yada Yada for you to read for free. free. You know, they're all published also by Amazon that you can buy just for the cost of actually printing them and the shipment to you. 
Um, yeah. We don't make a royalty on them. We're we're trying to you you could you could download yes, to it give you, you everything you that possibly want, and and we're not sharing our conclusions. We're we're sharing what Yahweh conveyed. You know, we we read, we translate as thoroughly, completely, and as accurately uh, his statements as possible. We even put the genitive form of the Hebrew word within the parenthetical because if you're reading it online. You can go and copy and paste it into a search engine uh, and verify it yourself. Uh, so even the translations are, are open for you to verify. And if there's something in a translation that is uh, complex, that might have uh, various potential meanings, we'll acknowledge it. We'll tell you this, this could mean any one of these different things. And this is the reason we chose and, uh, to render these definitions within the uh, the translation itself. And then we do what Yahweh is encouraging here. It's one thing, and it's an exceedingly important thing to know what God said, to accurately and completely study the words he has revealed. It is another thing, and far more important, than to make the proper connections between everything he has conveyed so you see the big picture uh, through the details and that is the reason why there's so many insights and commentary uh, throughout uh, Yada Yawa. We're, we're trying to help those who are reading this information understand because, uh, and, and Kirk, once you understand, then mm-hmm. you have a direct relationship with Yawa. You do wow. not yes. need to rely on anyone. You are completely liberated to benefit from all he is offering. And have a wonderful thing. You, you get to share it with others who have come to know him and be part of the covenant family. But yet you are yes. also independent of everyone, not dependent upon anyone okay. except Yahweh himself. Yay. Yeah, so it is all here. We gain nothing from uh, you choosing to accept Yahweh, to know Yahweh to attend his Moed Mikre, to accept the terms and conditions of his covenant. There's no dime in this for us. We have, you know, boy, I've been doing this now for 22 years. I've never been paid by anyone, never received a donation from anyone, and I actually pay for the privileges. As uh, as, uh, Dee knows, because she manages our our, uh, social media outreach, um, I pay for it. Uh, uh, All the translation tools, uh, probably $10,000 worth of translation tools, I pay for it. Uh, this uh, blog talk radio is not free. I pay for it. Um, the websites we're hosted on. Now, th- that doesn't mean there's not others making a contribution. There are. Um, and donating their time for free. There are many who are part of the Covenant family. And we mm-hmm. all do it for the benefit of, uh, of others. Um, and it is one of the very few situations where uh, – the, the more the merrier, so long as we are of like mind. Uh, God does not want anyone who is religious or political in heaven. So there's a filter excluding the political, the conspiratorial, the, uh, the religious. Uh, but if you're open-minded and actually invest the time to come to know Yahweh and to come to enjoy his company and accept his conditions, uh, attend his invitations, 
then the more of, of those kinds of individuals, no matter how divergent their personalities and proclivities may be, the more enjoyable eternity is going to be. Now, I want people with different perspectives and, and different capabilities and different interests to spend eternity no, with. Just, yeah. So the universe yeah. is enormous, and whether we're sharing it with, uh, with 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 or a million, there's plenty of universe to go around, uh, and it's actually seven-dimensional, so it's, it's infinitely beyond our imagination. Exponential, yes. Yeah, it's not just the, uh, the uh, 400 billion uh, <laughs> galaxies each averaging uh, <laughs> some several hundred billion stars apiece of the known universe, and that's only 4% of the known universe because 96 <laughs> Uh, exceeds our uh, our ability to even understand what it is in terms of dark energy and dark Plenty matter, which I actually think are dimensions. Uh, but as as you're liberated in time in the fourth dimension, the universe expands infinitely beyond what we can see, and you can enjoy the entire universe when you're liberated in in time. And there's two dimensions beyond that. In uh, route to Yahweh, who is seven dimensional. What we're being offered is so enormous that having mm-hmm. more people makes it more fun. But it's not sure. just that. Uh, we, when you come to be part of Yahweh's family and know him, then we have this tendency to want what he wants. He's dad. Right. He's really nice to us. And so we want to yeah. be in, involved in the family <clears throat> business. And the family business mm-hmm is conveying his message and inviting people to become part of the covenant family. That is the family business. And so you want to be part of it. And those who are part of the family business share the words of Yahweh, and they do so passionately and accurately and completely, and then seek to understand them so that we can share and pass on that understanding and the insights to others. And the second thing is it is so empowering and enriching uh, and uplifting and emancipating to be with Yahweh. We don't want to covet that. We want to share it. It's uh, like seeing a beautiful uh, rainbow across a, uh, a, a, a streaked sky over the ocean. Uh, and you, uh, if you see it alone, it's one thing. If you get to share it, it's much more beautiful. Um, a couple nights ago, I was uh, out in the uh, the evening, and my wife had uh, had a rough day. She turned in uh, early, and so I saw the moon, uh, full moon, duck in and out behind uh, clouds, and it glistened with the silver lining on these clouds. And then the most magnificent meteor that I've ever seen, in terms of the brightest and the longest trail, uh, streaked across the sky. Mm-hmm. And my only regret was. I was viewing it alone. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. And Aww. so, you know, we, we naturally want to share. The, Yahweh's wonderful. He's approachable. He's fun to be around. And so we're doing this because we are, are so blessed, so benefited from this, and yeah. we just want others to know about it. And, it, and part of it, too, is our... Uh, we share Yahweh's antagonism towards religion and politics. And yeah. we, we recognize that 
it takes courage, but it's the right thing to do. It's it's mm-hmm. uh, in a very big way. It's like uh, uh, what we talk about often. If if you were to walk by a uh, um, a group of people and they're holding down and raping a uh, a child, are you going to be one of those that just walks by? Are you going to be one of those that films it? Are you going to be one of those that might sneak away to call the uh, the police? Are you going to be one that tries to help that child and tries to defend yeah. them? Who are you? And with Yahweh, religion is is raping the world mm-hmm. and r- robbing children of their dignity and their lives. And politics is doing the same thing. So are you just going to stand by, walk past, try to stop it? Character counts, you know. Moshe saw the religious and political and economic establishment of Egypt uh, beating one of his own to death, and he stood in, in the in the way. He had the courage and the character to stand up for the man that was being beaten. That's what right. makes Moshe so extraordinary. And then when he realized how awful the Egyptian religion and government was, he left Egypt. That's what made him useful to God. So are you willing to do that? I guess the first thing is, uh, Kirk and Dee, you'd, you'd have to recognize mm-hmm. that that's why we speak about these things, why God speaks about them, that religion leads you in the wrong direction. You First, you'd have to question mm-hmm. your religion and then leave it. And until you question yeah. your religion and lead it, and question your politics and leave it, you have zero chance of, of coming to know Yahweh or engaging in a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. You know, look at, uh, at Abraham. Abraham wasn't the nicest guy on, uh, on the planet, but Abraham did something that almost no one else was willing to do. He walked away from okay. Ur, which was uh, Sumer, mm-hmm. uh, and what became uh, Babylon. He walked away from the most religious and political place on earth. And so after he walked away, Yahweh could engage with him and introduce himself to him. Look at uh, Moshe. God didn't... Uh, call Moshe when uh, he was in Egypt under the influence of religion and politics. He waited until after Moshe had left it. You know, he didn't find as a leading figure as, you know, in a, in a yeshiva and, uh, and, uh, and Israel (laughs) or under uh, Saul's command leading a charge or, or as a priest or as a, uh, uh, as some kind of a religious zealot. No, he found him out tending sheep. He was the only son that was nowhere to be found when the others uh, were auditioned. He was out in Bethlehem tending sheep and uh, way yeah. back. Uh, until we walk away from religion and politics, God's unknowable to us. And that's why God spends so much time, as he's doing through the book of Hosha, calling his people away from deism and from Israeli politics. It's only once you walk away from them and you know they're rotten to the core that you have a chance to come to know God. You know, Israel is right now in a very, very precarious place. Uh, about half of Israel uh, despises Benjamin Netanyahu. About half uh, likes Benjamin Netanyahu. But uh, for Benjamin Netanyahu to prevail under those circumstances, uh, he had to put together a coalition of, uh, of extreme uh, religious uh, people. I mean, extreme zealots. And 
the kinds of things that they're trying to do now in terms of of immigration into Israel based on religious qualifications, uh, divorce in Israel um, where only the man can grant it uh, under rabbinic law, um, judicial reform where, where convicted uh, crooks and criminals can hold ministerial uh, positions. The kinds of things that they're trying to do um, are so outrageous that uh, the 50% of Israel that can't stand Benjamin Netanyahu are uh, taking to the streets. And the the former coalition members in the past government, which was also a, uh, uh, a government from hell, uh, they're now encouraging people to be riotous uh, in the street. Um, and, it, and then the, the Netanyahu's coalition is saying we ought to uh, arrest the opposition leaders, uh, which it's becoming a very dangerous thing, even talking nowhere. about civil war. Yeah. And with, uh, with Muslims surrounding them, uh, wanting to obliterate them when Israel is doing what it does best, which is uh, infighting, sacrificing their own. Um, this is a very scary time. Oh, and yes. so uh, I'm... I'm here to tell you that if you are a Jew now, if you're, if you are uh, listening at this point, just chances are you're listening either to an archive or you're on the phone because we're no longer broadcasting as part of our program. Uh, but still, 99% of the listeners are to uh, to archives, and the program is is posted uh, uh, throughout the uh, the internet um, on on various uh, sites, uh, many which are, are linked from. Um, the resources and community uh, link on the Yada Yada site. Uh, if you are listening and you're in Israel uh, tonight, then I would strongly encourage you to devote considerable time to reading Yada Yada. Start with an introduction to God. The first volume is uh, Debar Word. Come to understand why God is speaking to you and why he is speaking through me. Uh, this is why you, why me is an essential part of that. Come to understand who Yahweh is, what he is offering, what he is expecting in return. And this will draw you through the entire uh, series of, uh, of books. And by the time you've read them, you will absolutely know Yahweh. You will fall in love with him and you will be part of his family. And this is important. Because life in Israel is going to get exceedingly difficult. To be a Jew in America and in Europe is going to become exceedingly difficult. As bad as things have been, they're about to get much worse. The time of Jacob's Mm. troubles is quickly approaching. We are just 10 and a half, uh, just shy of 11 years away from Yahweh's return with Dod. And the intervening time is going to be hellish, particularly as we approach those last three and a half years, beginning on Passover in 2030. um, It will be very difficult to survive as a Jew anywhere. Uh, The world is going to turn against you. Uh, You will have only Yahweh and his covenant family for support. Um, So please, now, before it is too late, Uh, You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Uh, It's worth your investment of 
time. And for the uh, the many Jews who have been indoctrinated to believe that if it's not a Jew speaking to you, don't listen. Um, one of the things you need to understand is that uh, Jews stop listening to Yahweh. That's why he said right here in Hosea 4.6, because you have forgotten my Torah and because you have promoted all manner of uh, religious lies, um, I will not use you as my uh, a priest anymore or my ministers. And so there hasn't been a single Jew willing to listen to God and speak for him in 2,500 years. And through the prophets, particularly through Yahshua, Yahweh has made it very clear that Yahweh has looked, and over this enormous chasm of time, there hasn't been a single Jew that has been willing to listen to God and convey his message to his people. So I was chosen by default, and it was predicted in probably a hundred different ways throughout the prophets that God would finally have to turn to a goyim, a Gentile, to uh, witness to his people, to call them back home. And so the reason that you're hearing the voice of a boy who has dedicated the last 22 years of his life to translating Yahweh's testimony and conveying his message to his people is because there were none of his people that were willing to do it. So please, take this opportunity. Educate yourselves. Learn who God is. Accept his terms and conditions. Become part of his family. And then take up this family business. Become part of the family and engage in the family business as you become uh, grow, really, in this relationship and learn more and more about who Yahweh is and what he's offering. Uh, we would love for you to put us out to pasture and retire us. Uh, we will continue to study and to continue to talk, but we would love to be drowned out by uh, the voice of thousands of returning Yahudim uh, as they come to know Yahweh. And I will yes, tell you, Yahweh would be thrilled as well. As it, uh, as it is, the, uh, the very least that we can do is to awaken enough Yehudim, Jews, and Israelites such that the promises made through the prophet Yeshaya and uh, Yermaya, speaking of the reunion that Yahweh anticipates with his people uh, when he returns on Yom Kippurim in year 6000 Yah, October 2nd at sundown uh, in uh, 2033, is that we want that to be a wonderful reunion. We would love to have as many Yehudim look up to Yahweh, proclaim his name, and uh, anticipate his arrival with his son, the Messiah, Dode, as is possible. And the more that are there, the more we will feel that we were um, successful doing what Yahweh has asked. So that is our mission. You are our audience. We uh, encourage you to care enough for your soul to pick up the first book. It's one thing to listen to us. It's another thing to read. Yahweh is a big, big proponent of the written word. Please. Yes. Uh, go to yadayah.com. 
pull down the first book from that shelf. It is an introduction to God called the Word and come to learn why you, why me. Well, Dee, uh, thank you. I think our outreach was to Israel tonight. Um, and, uh, yes. Kirk, I appreciate you uh, s- surviving the atmospheric uh, river, I guess is what they're calling it, right? <laughs> That's what they call it, yeah. I would give you the instructions that Yahweh had for the, uh, the ark, but uh, you already know them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to find a big hammer, though. You may want to get some experience in glue lamps and uh, <laughs> see what your neighbors say. Gorilla you glue try is to build a, out. Yeah, what you try oh, to build it in your, uh, front, in your front yard. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to find that many uh, animals willing to jump aboard, but... <laughs> I got two dogs. Uh, That's about that is. There you go. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I wish you all the best and that you uh, survive it. Take care, uh, Dee. Enjoy uh, uh, northern uh, Florida. I know it's a peaceable place uh, for you. And we uh, we wish everyone listening to a wonderful Shabbat and uh, encourage our uh, our listeners, particularly uh, Jews in America and, uh, and uh, Israelites, to give you a chance to walk away, disengage from your religion and politics, and for the first time in nearly 3,000 years, give Yahweh a chance. Listen to his voice. He's calling you home. Good night. Happy Shabbat to one and all. Thank you. Good night, y'all.